welcome to another edition of Bonus Transmission Gale, boys. If we sound a little tired, we just recorded our Jimmy Savile episode on the same day, so we're a little we're a little emotionally drained, I would say, but we're going to do our best to bring some energy to a movie that actually is one of the more surprisingly good films of this year. This has been a pretty shit year, but this film ends up being a real diamond in the rough. The stuff that's been good has been really good, and the stuff that's been bad has been like almost unwatchable no not even last year it was like that but this year in particular has been like really fucking bad but um yeah the movie we're going to talk about today i was very surprised by how good it was yeah yeah so it's the creator uh co-written produced directed by gareth edwards i keep wanting to say gareth evans which is the raid director mm-hmm. and that's a funny fucking mistake i keep making sometimes i'm like oh yeah i wonder but yeah gareth, gareth edwards is he, he's had a weird career. I thought he was in director's jail after how Rogue One's production went, but apparently he had been working on this for a while and actually made, I think, a better Star Wars movie than any of the Disney stuff that they've put out so far. I don't mind Rogue One, mostly because of the Tony Gilroy script. Yeah. yeah, he did Andor, which is like the best Star Wars thing in years. So he yeah, he knows how to tell a story and... Some of the visual set pieces in Rogue One are pretty good, I but think he directed, you also have like the gross, like dead people stuff. Which I think he stealth directed most of it after Gareth got yeah. fired because um, they like reshot half the movie without him. But you can see a lot of Rogue One's DNA in this movie, particularly that opening shootout on the beach. That's yeah. straight out of Rogue One. It's very similar. He he loves. He loves giant set pieces on beaches, like uh, oh, Godzilla, yeah. like halfway through Godzilla when he's um, Monster, when he's stamping around uh, Hawaii and shit. The thing that shocked me about this movie, now this was something when we were was coming out, I had no idea about this and then I read it suddenly. Um, this is a huge production with a shitload of CGI, shitload of practical loss. It costs $80 million, which is a mm. lot of money for a movie, but we are talking about last episode... Marvel's spending $250 million on a movie that looks like a TV show. And Gareth somehow pulls this off for a third of what that movie costs. And it's, that's incredible, I have to say. I, I think Hollywood has just forgotten that you can make like a proper big budget movie. Like you don't need a quarter of a billion dollars to make some fucking like epic sci-fi movie. Like I, I, I've seen bits and pieces of the Marvels going back to um going back to our previous episode, and it looks like a fucking TV show. Yeah. It, it looks like fucking, um, it, it looks like that Flash TV show, now that I think about it. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. It, like it has a budget to it, but it's like, this should be on TV. It, this it this should not be out in the movies. lighting is very flat, and the special effects, like we can joke about the CGI, yeah. but the, the, particularly the lighting in a movie like that looks so aggressively bad. Um, and also Fraser's in it, which is pretty funny. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, uh, remember Beast Folks, he's back in uh, end credits form, because they're uh, trying to do the X-Men now. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> wow, I, I thought he... He, yeah, fuck, yeah, he was Beast, Jesus, I remember yeah. him. Oh yeah, it's been a while since I've seen those old X-Men movies. <laughs> oh been, boy. I've been doing my best to not... Like I said, between Brian Singer and Brett Ratner, I'm trying <laughs> not to fucking go there, but... Um, but it's so fucked up that, like I said, this movie looks fantastic. And the, a lot of the Rogue One group came back to do this. Greg Fraser is the F- Fisher, or Fraser, whatever his last name is. He's the cinematographer. He shot Rogue One. He also shot Dune. He's becoming like an oh, yeah. up-and-comer. He shot the Batman. He's becoming like the new big Hollywood up-and-comer. And this movie has three credited editors. 
And I love when a movie has three credit editors because that means a lot of crazy shit's going to happen. The editing in this is weird because there's, um, it's a very like fast paced movie. John David Washington's like jumping about set piece to set piece. Then there's, there's like 10 different locations in this movie. Yeah. And, um, the editing isn't like that egregious, which is weird. Yeah, it's it's, it's been cut pretty well. Um, um, yeah. The thing about this movie that also uh, there's a great uh, some I'll post a video of the production because a lot of this the thing about Evans is that he is very economical. That's probably why he didn't do well in like Rogue One because the movie's like a two hundred and sixty million dollar budget, and he seems to be at his best when he is using limited resources. Monsters cost about five hundred thousand dollars, which is incredible for what that movie actually accomplishes and with this film he did a lot of guerrilla shooting he went to vietnam and singapore and did a lot of uh, on location shooting despite the creator looking like a traditional action movie the shooting process could really only be called guerrilla filmmaking with gareth edwards taking cues from his original low budget feature monsters and one of the most indie methods edwards opted for was a rejection of how vfx is normally approached in the industry today the creator is a vfx flick taking advantage of both green screen and ILM's stagecraft hardware. What was unorthodox though about this movie's approach was the locations did much of the visual heavy lifting with environmental lights, architecture, and geology for the most part looking as they were. You know, you look at all that imagery and it's incredibly ambitious and the natural reaction is this is a $300 million film. You know, there's no way we can really do this. We'd love to do it, but we can't really do it. And people say you're gonna, you can't find these locations. You're gonna have to build sets in a studio against green screen, and it'll cost a fortune. And we were like, what we want to do is go shoot the movie in real locations in real parts of the world that look closest to what these images are. And then afterwards, when the film's fully edited, get the production designer James Klein and other concept artists to paint over those frames and put the sci-fi on top. Sure. And everyone was like, sounds great, but how you know? Basically, you have to go and try and prove it to them. Great. A lot of handheld shots, a lot of quick cutting. It's, I don't know how much of actual like permits they had, but it's it's a, it's impressive what he pulled off for what he had. This has been compared to like Akira meets Apocalypse now because there's a lot of like um Anime like real world glance. Yeah, a lot of that. like that scene where um the giant door is opening and uh, Washington's going to see the um. The robot baby that is like straight out of Akira. Like Neo Los Angeles. That they yeah, have, yeah. That, that the opening of the movie where they're in the um, the nuke center destroying all the robots. And like, especially also with the title cards that are also in Japanese. Like, this is a very. Yeah. What I admire about Edwards, he's a complete fucking nerd. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really, the fight scene in the apartment with like the old. Uh, Japanese TV show playing in the background as Washington fights robot police officers. Yeah, it's like shot like an anime as well. It's like very quick cuts and yeah. um, a lot of like goofy shit. Like those, those fucking like walking robots that explode, like the uh, the suicide robots. So yeah, that way they look like garbage cans. And um, <laughs> I just that seems like because that's the thing about this movie too is that there is a lot of Viet. Like this movie is very much inspired by like Vietnam War politics. Because, again, it's set in Asia, a good chunk of it. And I love how in this movie, this is a very anti-America movie because Edwards is British. Oh, yeah. Like, literally, instead of saying, like, the army's here, they say America is here at the beginning mm. of the movie when, like, John David Washington, they they bring the guy in who's, like, they find him on the beach, like, America's here, and then they fucking, the big shootout happens. 
where they nuke fucking they nuke Thailand. America really are like the bad guys in this movie, which is um you're starting to see more of now in movies. Oh, yeah. Like in Avatar Two, like all the bad guys are fucking gun toting American psychos. We've got Ralph Ennison, who's a British character actor doing uh doing a American accent. He does it very. He's the yeah. He's the general in this. He's probably the closest thing this movie has. Alice and Jenny is probably the closest thing this movie has to like a full on villain because she's in the. Yeah. She's she's one of those great like deadpan actresses. If you've ever seen I Tanya, she plays an abusive mom very fucking well, and she she's like a comedian, but she's very good at deadpan. And here she's just playing a full blown like fucking lunatic hitman who's hunting them, and you know she brings that guy alive back. He's like, holy shit, I thought I was dead, and like. She's like, tell me, motherfucker, and just... Yeah, she's very underrated talent. Ralph isn't in... The, the General's not in this movie that much, but yeah, he... He's also, for those who don't know, he was the dad in The Witch. Which mm-hmm, is, yeah. a, is one of my favorite, like, fucked up parent performances ever. Because he's speaking that, like, 1600 yeah, that, dialect that is impossible to understand. That old timing, like English accent that you just never hear anymore because that was, like, very time-specific... That scene when um, Black Phillip like impales him with the horn at the end is uh, yeah. awesome. It's that whole movie is yeah. fantastic, and I love how he's introduced at the pool. He's like lit in shadows. We are this close to winning the war. Execute her, or we go extinct. He is like a fucking comic book villain, and and I, I particularly love also the um, performances are great too. This is, this is a weird cast. We talked about John David Washington, Alice and Jenny, Ken Watanabe is basically like the head of this weird like village of robots that live um live live in the middle of the jungle the politics of this is weird because you have um america is like basically declaring war on all of asia very easily being like an anti-china movie but no this is like we're declaring war of all of like vietnam thailand yeah. fucking japan like everywhere we will just stop like, like many yeah new, new asia or new something asia or something and like but um I, I firmly believe this is a Vietnam comparison because I think like oh, the, yeah. the idea of like robots are basically because the opening of the film with like the MacArthur stand-in talking about we're not at war with the people of New Asia, but the AI they harbor. This is a fight for our very existence. For as long as AI is a threat, we will never stop hunting them. He's talking about AI like he might as well be talking about fucking communism. Played pretty thick what, what Evans is trying to do with this movie, and I think. Yeah. And like I said, and, AI is a weird thing now because it's become this big, like, talking point, but... I don't know how long into production this was because like, AI wasn't really a thing until, like, like, a year and a half ago people started talking about it. Because when you think of AI, you think of the Dagoff Army or, like, this, like, shitty fucking, like... The, the opening uh, credits of Secret Invasion. Or, or they use, like, oh, shitty AI. Oh, my yeah. God. Or porn. Because there's a lot. Yeah, of, yeah. By the way, for those of you, yeah, there's a lot of AI porn I found out recently. Yeah, if you want to watch, um, like, Chun Li fuck the uh, star of Fortnite or, like, um, Overwatch or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, um, the main female uh, character model from Overwatch is, like, big in AI porn. It's fucking, it's fucking gross, fascinating. man. Fascinating. Yeah. Like, that's the thing about new tech. It, it, it always seems the people who are the biggest trailblazers are fucking perverts. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And the power cell recharges as it moves. It's a revolution in robotic longevity. Yes? Can you f*** it? Excuse me? Can you f*** it?
No. Oh, Jeez, no. Going back to the movie there. Uh, the, yeah, the way that the AI comparison is very much like, and he very makes them very sympathetic. Like, he's talking to his old like wife or girlfriend. He says, these parents adopted me. They were robots. They couldn't have kids. And they raised me better than humans probably could because they didn't have like prejudices and things like that. They were very much... You know, they lived in harmony and like human beings are just incapable of having that. I, I do believe that thesis. Yeah. Human that's... beings are fucked up, man. Like, let's be honest. Like, if you read any part of history, we talked about Vietnam. Humans are violent, man. Humans are fucked yeah. up and scary. The impetus of the story is that um, apparently like AI causes a nuke to go off an airway. And then you have that one line of dialogue by Watanabe. It's like, as is a human programming error that just blamed on AI. If we do, like, fully start integrating AI into, like, the military and stuff, this will just happen. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... Um, some point. It's a very, it's a very... It's it's way more poignant than it probably would have been in the hands of another director. Because I feel like the Marvel version of this would be a lot more... Oh, God. Like, yeah. But Evans is, like, a weird... He tried to be mainstream, and I think Rogue One really just said, like, all right, I'm going back to my shit, because... He's yeah. He, he the Godzilla was a hit for him, and then Rogue One. I feel like he's now going. It'd be very curious because I don't think this movie didn't do too well financially, which is weird as fuck. Because you see like all these people, we want original movies, and then yeah, we the, have original no movie comes out. We both saw this in uh, IMAX, and my uh, screening was um pretty bare bones, which is kind of sad because yeah. it's like. You, you, you people want fucking spectacle when it's like there it is and just nobody goes to see it and i love like, also on, in imax this is shot so the aspect ratio of this movie is nuts it's shot in 276 which is like ultra panavision and yeah it's a weird choice to do that but i think it works because again the the scale of this production does kind of require it to be that like have that ultra panavision look to it like i love all the stuff in fucking hong kong or whatever city they're in it looks like blade runner there's just like naked women holograms dancing around it's, it's a very cool fucking aesthetic i wouldn't mind a whole movie set there i know like evans has joked about um even i'm doing it like yeah, evans exactly. Edwards, <laughs> brutal, yeah uh, yeah yeah, I know Edwards has joked about how could you do a sequel to this? The fucking Death Star gets blown up at the end. And I love how America just has their own Death Star that you they used to like fucking drop nukes on China and Vietnam and shit. That feels like a... And they're a, just allowed to get away with that. I think it's an extension of drone warfare. I feel like that's what he's going for with that. It's like the idea of just people sitting in a room, press a button, they blow up an entire fucking village. That's what drone warfare is, man. The, the, the whole final set piece feels like this is what Rogue One was trying to be. Especially with the whole, like, him sacrificing himself. And, like, what I love about movies now is they're starting to become earnest again. We talk about yeah. this now, Tar. Like, this movie is very much... That relationship is the core of this movie, the between John David Washington and this uh, robot baby. And I fucking really, like... John David Washington is one of those guys I, I haven't really, like... This is probably the movie that I think really cements him as like a movie star because he is so much like his fucking dad in this. Oh yeah, yeah. Really that scene where he's like shit talking the kid. Want to play a game? It's called Save Your Friend Joshua. I'm getting killed by the freaking police. All right. It's easy to win. You can win easy. All you got to do is point to the map. Just point to where my wife is, please, and you win. Yay! We all win. You're my friend. Hey, 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 little bot, pay attention. My name is not Bot. My name is Alfie. Remember? You know what? How about I call my friend in Lilac City, all right? 
I'll call him right now. Tell him to get his crowbar ready, pry it open, get the information that way. You want that? Then fine. If they ever want to do, like, I don't know, people, like, I think Antoine Foucault was joking. He liked to do Equalizer 4 with, like, D.H. Denzel. Like, just hire, just get his cut. Just hire his just, son. Yeah. He's pretty much fucking doing Denzel shtick, and it's... It made me kind of wish, like, this movie was, like, in 1995, and it's just starring Denzel. Fucking yeah. wild, this performance is. But it's... Yeah, that relationship's very good, and he has that great little piece of dialogue. Are you going to live with her? No. Why not? You gotta be a good person to go to heaven. Then... We're the same. We can't go to heaven. Because you're not good. And I'm not a person. Yeah. It's a very, it, it the movie itself, the spectacle alone is fantastic. But like that really does like it makes it stronger because there is such a strong emotional connection between those two. Like especially at the end when he kills himself and blows up the Death Star. Speaking of uh, the MCU, uh, Gemma Chan from the Eternals is in this as yes. uh, as Kid Washington's wife. The Eternals is like the only MCU movie I haven't seen apart from the Marvels, and it's just like. You must be so glad you're not fucking doing this anymore. I, you're in, like, real movies now. I read a story about Eternals where apparently Close Zhao, who directed that, had to fight with Kevin Feige to actually let her film outside in real sets. Oh, this damn. was, like, a week's uh, fight. Because, you know, Close Zhao's, like, if you've seen Nomadland, but it's so... That's, like, entirely outside, yeah. It's so funny that he like said she's gonna be the new like she's gonna be the russos for us and then like one movie she makes bombs and she won't return her phone calls anymore <laughs> that's the weird thing about hiring these indie directors to do these projects some of them are implicit this woman just won an academy award she's not gonna put up with your shit buddy like like and it didn't get released in china because she's openly critical about the government it didn't go well for feige who likes to toe the line that good corporate line that makes the money and it's very funny how he's doing the uh, the George Lucas thing of um, this entire movie needs to be green screen, no shooting outside. Do, do you honestly think people want to see that? The reason why Avatar works is because it's like good and it looks good, yeah. whereas like your MCU stuff looks like shit. And so uh... the, the box office of the Marvels really hammers home. I think yeah. people uh -huh. been, like I don't think even though this film did do well, I think it's going to find a very strong cult audience in the future. Oh this, yeah, this yeah. movie is definitely going to be a cult favorite because there's the weird anime influence and the the production of it alone. I feel like it's one of those movies that doesn't do well in theaters but does a killing on at home and. Like I said, it didn't cost that much, so it's not like it's a huge bomb like the Marvels is. It costs eighty million dollars. It made like seventy, so it, it's fine. I will find a life in um and home video now that I think about it because this is like the way this is shot. This is like kind of tailor made for TVs now that I think about yeah. it. But um, it's gonna, I'm getting yeah. the four K because oh fuck yeah. By the way, I do love also the again going back to the anti America element of this. The black ops guy who runs the sweatshop. And he brings up, like, he was a fucking spy, and then he married one of the robots. Fell yeah. Like, again, going back to the Vietnam comparison, because a lot of those guys didn't go, do that, yeah. didn't go AWOL yeah. and just stay there. Marry, marry one of the prostitutes they were spying on. And just, again, the, the Vietnam comparisons are fucking thick in this yeah. movie. I went to Haben in Korea as well. Like, America, that really doesn't like about how many American soldiers went AWOL and joined the North Koreans, because uh, even they were like, this is, this is too much for us. Like, 
I, like, I, like fighting in World War Two is one thing, but yeah, we're just committing genocide I, here. I always think of that line from uh, the Russia House. It kind of applies to anywhere, not just Russia. Because I prefer Russia. It's as corrupt as America, but there's less bullshit. Yeah. I think of that line a lot when it comes to shit like that, because... Sweatshop is so fucking weird because they're like building children and shit. <laughs> this sweat, they have yeah, like silicone babies being made. Like, what is happening here? Yeah, you can like donate your face to AI robots. Oh, yeah. So that's why there's like 20 Gemma Chen's, which is, um, I which I saw Washington insane. I fucking yeah. love the, um, the opening of this too with all the like integrating robots into like 60s archival footage. Like, again, it goes back to, yeah. like, the robot, it's, and then it's like something out of Fallout. Now that I think yeah, about it, the co like robot cops are committing police fucking brutality, which is so yeah. crazy. They reuse footage from the Beirut explosion for LA, which is kind of tasteless. But it, again, mm. this movie's very like it, for for sci-fi spectacle. It's very much what I love about a lot of sci-fi. It says a lot about the world we live in now, even though it's escapism. Like there's. There's a potent, there's a potent sense of reality to it, even though it's outlandish and very like spectacle heavy. It feels grounded and it feels real, and that makes it more enjoyable and more easy to get yeah. through. Like it's not like the Marvels where everything's in green screen, fucking cats with tentacles coming out of their mouths and shit. Like that's mm. kind. Of, I like this kind of hard edge sci-fi, not fluffy sci-fi. Yeah, this is proper hard sci-fi. Like they're going into detail, obviously, about how like. The robots are made and shit. I do, I do enjoy that from sci-fi movies. Yeah, but the real reason why this works for me is because of how character-driven it is, yeah. isn't just like pure sci-fi. Like, I love also the this movie isn't too heavy on exposition. There's a lot no, no, of no. world building, but the movie never, never goes out of its way to just drop shitloads of exposition on you. It's a very simple yeah. like it's... man on the run with a child story, but there's so many like weird little like bits here and there the way he's fleshed out this world with like the robot giant robots cutting wheat and shit and the, that city and you're like i would like to know more about this weird world he's made you know? as like ghost in the shell is this weird world they all live in but it's like very rarely addressed yeah. there's, there's no like lore dumps in any of those movies and, yeah and it just allows for again the, the story to breathe more and doesn't yeah. it keeps it pacey and and I also love also that this movie ends with uh, Claire de Lune, the piano song, which Hell is yeah. weirdly effective for, uh, like, it's kind of a weird music choice, but it's very effective for, the, especially that ending. Bittersweet. Like, yeah, we defeated the Death Star, but Daddy's dead, so. Yeah. Yeah, it would be um, interesting seeing a sequel of, like, it would just be the Empire Strikes Back, like the Americans just make another Death Star, and like, well, here we go again. I do like that he, I do like he's been very against making a sequel to this. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, he wants to move I, on to different stuff. He seems like one of those guys. He's got a lot of ideas in his head and doesn't want to. That's probably why he didn't do well in Star Wars. He's like, I I have ideas and I don't want to waste them. Bringing fucking Peter Cushing back to life. Fuck that nah. shit. I wouldn't mind seeing, um, doing another Godzilla movie because I don't mind, like, I didn't actually mind his, um, his whack hat a few years it, ago. It's, it's grown on me a little more because I didn't yeah. like it when it came out, but like, after all the other shit with Godzilla, like, I saw Godzilla vs. Kong, I'm like, fuck, bring, bring someone back who knows what the fuck they're doing. This is just stupid. Yeah. Like, fuck. It's amazing how, like, the Godzilla purists hated the Gareth Edwards movie and loved, uh, Kong vs. Godzilla. Because, like, come on, man. It's, come on. Yeah, look, I actually like Skull Island because I just love the way that movie's made. Oh, hell yeah. It's like this this 
the 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 fucking lighting choices and the color. It has a fucking reference to Cannibal Holocaust in it for some goddamn reason. Yeah, that that is just a Apocalypse Now, but instead of Marlon Brando, it's just a giant monkey. I really want that Gundam film that he's planning on getting made because I would love to see him direct giant robot fights. That would be oh, yeah. fucking awesome. So hopefully that'll happen, but I I doubt it. I doubt yeah, it. Just, just give us more robot movies, man. Just give us more fucking robots punching each other. That's, like this movie. There's this a lot of is. robots punching each other in this. Fuck yeah. Oh, fuck. I love... Yeah, but uh, that's. Uh, I think that's pretty much all we have to say about it. I do recommend that it's a... Uh... It's a sleeper hit of this year. I I knew like very little going into it. And very surprised how like you know this is actually pretty good. Yeah, this might it, actually be on my like top five of this year. And no, I yeah, think about like, it. Th- th- this gets the Gale Boys uh, approved sticker because this is our this is our Cisco and Heber thumbs up. Because this this movie, I, I when I saw the previews, I was a little like you know the use of Aerosmith. It seemed it looked cool, but I wasn't. I didn't expect it to hit me as hard as it did. It was a real, like, it's one of the biggest surprises of the year. And the fact it didn't do too well, again, it hurts. But I think <sighs> the people will appreciate this movie down the road, especially once it, it's now available on VOD. There's a Blu-ray this December. If you can watch it, and watch it on the best TV you can find, because this movie is gorgeously shot. Um, Greg Pfizer, um, he's shooting Dune 2 this year. And that, I'm, very, yeah. I'm very excited. Just a brilliant production for a movie that costs like a third of what most movies do. And I'm as much as I want to say, like I used to say when I see like a great indie director, they say, give them a budget. I say, take away the budget even more because it seems the less money Evans had Edwards has. God damn it. (laughs) Fucking G. By the way, they're both, I think they're both Welsh, which makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're both like um, many budget guys because the raid was shot for like five million or something. I remember when I saw the raid the first time, and there was like a Q and A, and I thought Evans was the producer because it's like this heavy set British dude, and <laughs> it's like he directed it, he wrote it, he edited. I'm like, he's the fucking director, Jesus, because yeah. you you don't expect a dude like that to fucking uh, God damn it! I want to see Havoc too, his new film. He's still like editing it. Tom Hardy's a cop in it, so it's going to be fucking fun. I am looking forward, uh, more forward to that than a Venom 3, which is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happening. disappointed uh, the circus isn't directing, so I, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Venom 2 is a weird, like, kind of, I wouldn't say a queer masterpiece, but it, it is a <laughs> good rom-com. If, you got a, if you're on a date night, it's it's definitely a movie to go see. And it's only like 92 fucking minutes. That's the yeah. best part uh-huh. of shortage. Robert Richardson shot it, who shot for like Scorsese and shit. Hell yeah. Sure, I'll shoot this random cape shit. Why the fuck not? To wrap this up, um, just watch the movie. Um, <laughs> next episode, we'll, um, we'll be talking about... Uh, a bunch of movies. It's going to be. We have to do the Steven Seagal thing of like a two-hour-long episode because there's so there's many. So like, much to get to there's it. so much. Yeah, and, yeah. And especially uh, the best thing he ever acted in isn't even a movie, and we'll get into uh-huh. it. It's a masterpiece of. Oh boy, yeah. But you, brace yourselves. Uh, like I said, the Black Pill series is still going. Uh, probably. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I think that will be our last Black Pill episode. We'll to be, do, try to getting, do something fun as well next month. Yeah, there's, uh, uh, Christmas is coming. We'll definitely do something festive or, or something yeah. awful. I don't know yet at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Take care, everyone, and stay safe. It's like what happens on a movie is 
at some point you get sat down and they say, you can't do this, why not? Because we don't have enough money. I thought we had X hundred million dollars. And, um, and they say, we do, but like, we can't afford to do that. And you go, hang on, explain this. Come on, hang on, this makes no sense. And someone will go through line by line and, and, it, and you'll go, but why are we spending on it? Why is this? And it's like, there's so much hemorrhaging of money. Where basically what I put it down to, the very simple analogy is, is if you had a dollar bill, the way filmmaking works is they buy a $5 case to protect that dollar bill because they don't want to lose the dollar, right? And now they look at it and go, oh, hang on, that's $6. We need to buy a $10, uh, you know, like cabinet to put this in to protect our $6 investment. Oh, wait a minute, that's $16. Oh, we need to, and they basically spend more and more and more to protect it and protect it and protect it. If you just say at the very beginning, you know what, we're gonna spend $1, we're not gonna protect it. If we lose it, we've lost a dollar and we'll just spend another dollar doing it again. And, and that's kind of was the philosophy of let's spend as little as possible. Let's like, let's go out on a limb. If something doesn't, if something fails, doesn't work, we'll, we'll, we'll just do it again, right? We'll figure a way around it. And we had a mantra on the, with the, the producer on the film, $2 million, it's a lot of money. And the mantra was like, no, and ne we never want to hear, I never want to hear anyone ever say, we can't afford to do that. We only have $80 million, right? And so if no one's allowed to say that, you can kind of do anything. Like you can do anything. It's just choosing what you're not going to do, you know? Mm -hmm.